one group of people that I did not forget to uh, thank, and I wanted to thank you at this moment. I wanted to thank all of you who gave generously and faithfully to the Base Camp Initiative over the last several years. Uh, at one point, we thought it was going to be like a two-year campaign, it was a three-year campaign, and then it was a four-and-a-half, and we just kept campaigning. And, um, and frankly, you kept responding. And so this building, we received some very large financial gifts for this building, uh, $2.5 million, but we also received a lot of small gifts. And here's what you need to know about the heart of God. The big gifts and the small gifts are all impressive to him if they're for him and about him and born out of a cheerful and a generous and a sacrificial heart. Thank you so much for giving. I know you didn't give to me, but look at what can happen when a group of people who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ can come together and see what God has done among us. It is awesome. Thank you, givers. The partners of Spring Valley Community Church voted to purchase this property from Coventry Christian Schools back in October of 2013. I had a lot more hair then. What I thought would be a two or three year process of building a new worship center ended up to be five. I was naive at the time and had never heard about stormwater management, conditional use hearings, or that people are very passionate about protecting the habitat of the box turtle. But that's a huge deal. The last few five years of my life have been in education. Surprisingly, I never took any construction management classes in Bible school. Those of you who work closely with me realize that on day half. Like halfway through the day, you're like, this guy actually isn't sure what's going on yet. There were mornings I sat in our prayer room over in our existing building, our Connection Kids building, and I stared at this piece of ground, just stared at it, wondering, God, when will you move? When will you move things along, God? It became evident to me that I nor anyone on our team had the power to make things move faster. Most days, my only good option was to pray and ask God to work and trust that he was, even though I couldn't always see it. The education I received over the last five years was not entirely about the construction process. It was really about living by faith and believing for God to do what I could not do. I'm so grateful to God for providing Connection Church with this space to gather in every week, but I am more convinced than ever today it was all His doing. So this morning I want to talk to you about how God builds a church. How God builds a church. Not how God builds a physical structure, but how God builds a people for Himself. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 of the 26 books in the New Testament. Paul was a man who spent the first part of his life as a very zealous defender of Judaism. And his zeal often led him to imprison and even approve of the killing of Christians. One day when Paul was traveling to persecute followers of Jesus in Damascus, he was knocked to the ground by a blinding light and was confronted by the risen Christ. Paul, why are you persecuting me? The entire purpose of Paul's life was changed that day. He became a follower of Jesus, and instead of trying to destroy the church, he was now going to start new churches. 
One of the churches that the Apostle Paul spent 18 months of his life getting started was in Corinth. Corinth was a wealthy and important commercial city because it had two major seaports. It was a popular trade route. And like most major cities, it was also a cultural center. Corinth attracted many professional orators called sophists, kind of like the talking heads of our day. Just take out cable news and the whole idea of TV and think about people needing to travel around to get their ideas out. Sophists would come into the city and broadcast their own wisdom and ideas through their masterful communication skills. Corinth was a place where charisma was king. The Corinthians were impressed by and attracted to it. Corinth shared some similarities with the celebrity culture that we have. Unfortunately, this celebrity culture made it into the young and impressionable Corinthian church. That never happens in the church in America at all. One of the main reasons Paul wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians was to address the divisions, the schisms, the factions that were existent in the Corinthian church. Certain church members were beginning to attach themselves to their favorite leader. Instead of seeing themselves as followers of Jesus, they saw themselves as followers of their favorite human leader. Some said they were followers of Paul. Others said they were followers of Apollos. And still others said they followed Peter. And the really spiritual people were going around being like, I follow Jesus. Paul knew that a church built on a human leader would never last. And so he needed to address the pride and the division that happens in churches when it becomes about anything other than Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-9 through 9 says this, What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Three reasons that kind of show us how God builds his church. The first is this, God builds his church through servants. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants. Do you know what that word servant means? It means waiter or busboy. I spent seven years of my life as a waiter working at the Olive Garden in Red Lobster. It was a magical time. And do you know what never happened? There was never a moment during those seven years when I was bringing people soup, salad, and breadsticks or those cheesy muffins. And I thought that I was on the path to recognition and popularity. Paul is saying to the church, Apollos and I are just waiters. Yes, God used them to bring the gospel message to Corinth, but that doesn't mean they're a big deal. Paul wanted them to stop making the church about who their favorite leader was. He wanted them to stop elevating church leaders to a place that rightfully belongs to God alone. No one builds a movement around a waiter or a busboy. God absolutely gives meaningful roles to pastors, to teachers, to prophets, to ushers and greeters and worship leaders and children's workers and small group leaders. But all of us have the same title, right? If you're in ministry at all, here's your title, servant. 
God will not build his church when the church gets arrogant or confused about who we are in the building project. We are just the waiters. For those of us who love and follow Jesus, God absolutely wants to use you to build his church. But you and I must know, this is not the path to stardom, recognition, or popularity. Do not let the lights and the platform fool you. It's just a pragmatic thing so you can see us and we can put the screen on a camera or the camera can see us and it can go on our screens. Everything in the church is just servanthood. We are only servants and our only job is to help people know and grow in Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the star, the hero, the big deal in every church. And the moment Jesus is not the big deal, the hero and the star, it's the moment the church ceases to be the church. And we become a country club or some kind of cultural expression of a cool person leading a few people who don't have anything better to do on Sunday mornings. Man, I really don't want to spend my life doing that. And you know me, if you know me at all, if you know me, you know that doing that would be a bad decision on your part. We are not impressive. We are servants of Christ. Paul says this later in 1 Corinthians 3, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The church must be built on Christ. Here's the second thing I want you to know, that God builds his church by making things grow. I planted the seed, Paul said, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Wow, Paul, way to cut me down to size. You're not anything, planter and waterer, but only God who makes things grow. There are two jobs in the kingdom of God, planting and watering. Yes, Paul and Apollos worked hard, and yes, you and I must work hard in ministry, but if there is any growth, any success, any lasting change in people's lives, anything to celebrate, all of the credit and all of the honor belongs to God alone. Why? Because God is the only one who can actually grow a church. God is the only one who can actually grow a church. So every time the holidays roll around, my Beautiful wife Cheryl always asks me if we can go to Longwood Gardens to see the Christmas lights. And my response is always, are always the same. We already did that. It was like seven or eight years ago, but that was good for me. But this year, if we get free tickets, I'll go. It's going to be off the hook. Longwood Gardens, truthfully, is an amazing place. I don't hate nature, by the way. But when people visit Longwood Gardens, and they see the beauty, right? I mean, there's a tremendous beauty at Longwood Gardens. And they see an exotic flower or a beautiful tree. Do you know what no one is ever saying? Can someone show me the shovel that you use to dig that hole to plant that flower? Hey, excuse me, excuse me, Longwood Gardens employee, can I see the watering can that you guys are using? I would love to see the watering can. Shovels and watering cans are necessary, but shovels and watering cans never give physical, physical life or growth to beautiful trees and plants. In the same way that shovels and watering cans can never bring, bring growth, servants of Jesus can't bring life and growth to a church. Only God can do that. 
One of the best parts of my job is hearing stories about how God is working in people's lives. Just this week, I heard of a couple who was living together and decided to get married because after coming to Christ, they wanted to honor God in this area of their life. Over the last month, we've had well over a dozen people commit their lives to Jesus. I had one person share with me recently that they believe God brought healing to their body. I had a friend express to me over lunch just a couple weeks ago how God had been working in their life and just kind of convicting them and showing them that they are supposed to be using their financial resources to share with people in need and they're doing it. Everything good that's happening at Connection Church, the growth we've experienced since our inception, any growth we have in the present, and all the growth we hope to experience in the future. It's all the Lord. God is building the church, and we all have a part to play, but God gets all the credit. So what does that mean for us? We must never forget as a church that we are radically dependent on God to make anything meaningful and internal happen. It's not my job or your job to build the church. It's our job to preach the gospel. It's my job to teach you what the scriptures say. It's also your job to read them on your own and learn for yourself. You can do that. It's our job to love one another. It's our job to love our neighbors in this community. It's our job to care for one another deeply in this place. It's our job to open our homes so that we can meet during the week and have our connection groups and rally around Jesus Christ. It's our job to give generously, pray continually, use our gifts, and work hard. But it's God's job to bring growth. It's all him. Does that mean we're lazy? Nope. We work very hard. All of us must be working very hard. The church is weak when Christians are coasting. I'll say that again because that was pretty good and it wasn't in my notes. Maybe this is the Lord. Maybe it's not. The church is weak when Christians are coasting. Everyone has a part to play. And I'm not just saying like just to serve on Sunday morning so that we can have our service. God wants to use you in powerful ways, empowered by the Spirit of God in your workplace, in your community, in your home, around your dinner table. But the church is weak when we just kind of be like, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, impress me, sing to me, preach to me, take care of my kids, I just want to sit. Nope, that's weakness in the church. Followers of Jesus give their lives away. Followers of Jesus lay it all out for Jesus for their whole life. There is nothing better you can do with your life. There is nothing better. There's nothing more beautiful and rewarding and precious than giving your whole life away for Christ. It's better than the American dream. It's better than having a beautiful family. It's better than climbing the corporate ladder. It's better than having a lot of money in the bank. Jesus is better than life because Jesus is life itself. Give your life away for Jesus. And as you do, you will watch God work. Jesus said, abide in me, or remain in me, or stay close to me, and you will live a fruit-bearing life. Don't waste your life on the American dream. It's truly a waste.
Let's be a church known for our love for each other, our love for Jesus, and just laying everything down for him. Because we're going to be dead soon. You think you have a long ways to go. Turning 37 next, nope, soon, in 10 days. And clearly I'm aging fast. <laughs> but it goes quick. I'm watching my kids grow fast. I'm watching my parents get older. I'm watching those I love age. We'll be with Jesus soon. Why spend our lives on meaningless things? Let's spend our lives joining with God, serving him, and letting him make things grow. I promise you, you will never regret that. Here's the last thing I want to tell you this morning. God is building us. God is building us. For we are God's, or for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. When Paul calls the Corinthians God's building, he uses a word that was used to describe the process of construction on a building site. An appropriate verse for today. This was a nice way of telling the church at Corinth, they are still under construction. You are God's building project, Connection Church. When we were mobile, meeting in a middle school and known as Spring Valley Community Church, we were a work in progress. Connection Church, now that we have this beautiful and comfortable new building, guess what? And the seats are a hundred times more comfortable. We are still under construction. God is building us. If God is building us, then that should mean a few things for us. First, we should be humbled by all that God has done for us and humbled by how much more God still needs to do in us as a church and in our lives personally. Second, we need to pray continually for God to lead our church. I know for a fact that God wants to make his make disciples of Jesus here, and he wants to use this church to impact this region for Christ, the Pottstown region for Christ. Do you know what people usually think about when they think about Pottstown and they don't live in Pottstown? They get negative. They get, they get kind of like, oh yeah, Pottstown. Do you think God cares that way about Pottstown? He loves Pottstown, and he wants to use Connection Church to love the Pottstown region and the 422 region. So what do we need to do? We need to pray and ask for God's leadership, God's power, God's help to become and accomplish all he desires. And third, we need to be unapologetically hungry for God to grow us. Jesus didn't die for our sins, rise from the dead, commission us to reach the world so that we could make church about our preferences, our comfort, and ourselves. Today, we aren't simply dedicating this building to God. Honestly, there is something far more important for us to do as God's building project. We are dedicating ourselves to God's work. We are dedicating ourselves to using this building as a resource to reach our community with the love of Jesus Christ. We are dedicating ourselves to using our gifts and talents to serve Christ and each other. We are dedicating ourselves to giving our money to the mission of God we are dedicating ourselves to being people who work for unity in the church. How does a church maintain its unity? Two important things the New Testament teaches us. We make everything about Jesus and not our preferences. 
And then when we do have differences because we're human, there are people here, you're here, things will not always be heavenly and awesome, we will not always see eye to eye, and so what do we do? We obey the scriptures and we go to one another, and we share how we're offended and we seek forgiveness and we seek reconciliation. We're dedicating ourselves to be a church that is zealous for unity because when we're united, we can do great things for God. Show me a powerful church that's fractured, that does not exist. Ultimately, today, we are dedicating ourselves to God. At this time, I would like to invite one of my all-time favorite people to join me. Daniel McNaughton and his beautiful wife, Amy, planted this church over 13 years ago. Daniel and Amy founded Spring Valley on September 18th, 2005. They were surrounded by an awesome group of people who we got to recognize a couple months ago. They spent five years planting, and God has allowed me to spend the next seven watering. If it wasn't for Daniel and his wife Amy, and their obedience to step out in faith and start a church, we wouldn't be here today. And of course, God has done all the work. But God's work often starts with a call and an obedient response. Daniel and Amy are coming to pray a prayer of dedication over us today. After Daniel prays, we're going to sing one final song together, and then I'm going to come back and dismiss us. So our service will be over in just about 10 minutes. And so Daniel and Amy, would you come this morning and would you pray a prayer of dedication over Connection Church? I really appreciate your pastor, Pastor Joe. And, um, um, and I... I, not to contradict him, but um, we didn't found this church. Uh, first of all, Jesus founded it, and there was a whole bunch of people that were part of that process that just absolutely um, needed to be re remembered. It was, a, it was a team of people, has been from the very beginning. I do remember the day when the Lord uh, had for quite a while been um, convicting me that there needed to be a church here. And I kept trying to pray somebody else in. And I remember one day when the Lord uh, nudged me stronger than I'd like to remember. Uh, it's supposed to be you. And I told my wife, and I'll never forget her answer. She said, are you sure? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not sure. But I remember through that process and then us partnering together and beginning to pray and um, and, you know, what's really strange is, is um, you know, that, that introduction. I, I really just want to expand this because I think it's really important to, to be honest about what God has done. Uh, this place would not exist if it wasn't for Jack and Nina Mason uh, from Grace Assembly. Uh, Jack Mason, actually, I had been praying that if God, if, if you want us to lead it, then have him call me. I was even passive about that. And he called and said, I just really feel like you're supposed to be part of the team. And, and then he said, 
you know, uh, we have this vision for a church in that area. And so he was there. And then they also uh, gave $1,300 a month. And we had to ask them to stop giving the money because they would have continued. And he used this term called kingdom numbers where you'd say we would look at our numbers on a weekly basis, you know, and say that together this is kingdom. That there's more people in church because of the Lord's work together. And he also is the one who invited me to ask a significant number of people to come to our church from his church. And they were tithing people. I also think of Stephen Turville, our superintendent, who went out on a limb for us. We have a different kind of constitution. It's not like constitution bylaws. And he said, you know what, we're going to try. And I also think, and it's really, really important, a lot of people didn't even know this. I didn't talk about it a lot, and I had to even, we had to have a fight this morning to say this. But what you don't realize is that, that my wife, uh, Amy, uh, paid a huge price that you don't know about probably. But she was, our home was the place to have meetings and all kinds of stuff. And she would welcome people and then clean up afterwards and bake stuff. And we had office space there and meeting rooms. And then she cleaned the bathrooms. And then she kept track. She counted uh, the back of your heads uh, for years. But what you probably don't know is that she has a massive gift of intercession. And she would pray over uh, each of you and... When we would get to the end, she would pray that Jesus would release his Holy Spirit and people would give their lives to Christ. And then you might not know that she edited and sometimes wrote significant chunks of my sermons. (laughs) And she, just the good ones, she said. (laughs) That's true, too. And then... Uh, The Learning to Follow Jesus book, she edited it. It was really mostly her. And then we did a church planter's boot camp manual. She designed and edited that. She preached on occasion. She counseled me. She gave up countless hours of personal time while holding down a full-time job, completing her doctorate in education, taking a significant role in raising our children, staying fit, keeping nonstop humor flowing in our home, and sharing family nights, it's just not true that Daniel McNaughton was the founder of this church. We've done it together from the beginning. Uh, You just didn't see all of that. And I do want to say just a note, too, about Seth. Uh, Seth, we have Seth and Sharice. They gave up lots of hours, and they waited on me a lot, and they gave up some time, and they served and joined the whole thing. And I know that this isn't about people. I know, I know that it's, but it's about Jesus and how he can work through even us. And I couldn't help but think about the very first night in our living room. I just, my brain coming back here is just blowing my brain with memories. I just can't stop. Last night I was totally quiet and I probably, probably thought I was depressed, but I just, my brain was blown because I couldn't help but, but, but remember the night that we met in our living room for the very first time with Lee and Lisa Bellata and Jonathan and Debbie Capisi and Barry and Barb Banke, Alex and Kim Ortiz, Dan DeRosiers, wasn't married yet. We had to counsel him into that. Alicia, you, awesome. There was another person I haven't heard about for a long time, but Chris Deaver, so a significant part, and Dick and Darlene Gruber. Uh, all of us, I remember sitting and saying, wow, could the Lord, could the Lord do something through our lives? And we began to pray. And then a whole bunch of t- people joined and uh, 
many of you were there for the very first day. You were really our launch team. How many of you, just where you are, were, were there the first day? If you were there, like I think I like the, like, yeah, wave, wave. If you were there the first day, there's, a, there's still a number of you. Anyway, and a bunch of people joined afterwards. Now for the prayer. I just wanted to be truthful, if that's okay, because it's always been about God working among us, not about an individual. And I just had to clear that up a little bit. That's okay. Pastor's a truthful guy. Um, let's pray. Can you stand together? Heavenly Father, as we stand here in this new facility, we praise your name together. We're so thankful to you, Lord, and we praise you. You have been faithful, and you will always be faithful. And we, when we think about how you brought Connection Church into existence, we're in awe of you. Only you could do that. congregation throughout this prayer we're going to have a refrain that we're going to ask you to say with us and after we say this phrase for all of this we want you to say together we thank you Lord so Lord for all of this we thank you Lord we remember the countless hours of set up and tear down that so many in this room and many who have gone before them have put in the countless hours of organizing rolling boxes and rolling them back again taking stuff out, putting it back again, putting cables out, putting them back again correctly, setting up screens, mics, drums, hundreds of chairs every week, and putting them back in their places, the stair stepper in the nursery, the portable walls in the hallway, and the heavy carpets in the nursery, the learning centers, the bouncy houses, and other items for more than 13 years. For all of this, we thank you. Through rain and snow, and ice and frozen locks in warm weather and cold weather and windy weather and sunny weather with diesel and regular gas trucks and trailers fueled by donuts and coffee and friendship and with good attitudes and sometimes not it was worth it lord because you're worthy to receive all honor and glory we did it because we wanted to be with you and to experience you in our midst and it has a and to have a place where we could invite our friends to hear how good you are and how much you love them for all of this we thank you we think about the countless hours of grinding percolating pouring and serving various beverages fresh baked goods and breakfasts we serve for you lord because you told us that when we serve others we are serving you for all of this When we think of the sacrifices that many have made financially and of their time and their efforts and the many approvals needed, we praise you, Lord, for the resources. Thank you, Lord, for your financial blessings, God. Everything we have is a gift from you. And for all of this, we thank you. 
as so many of us stand here today in this amazing, new, beautiful, and well-equipped facility. We are in awe of you, God. We are humbled that you are trusting us to steward it. Use us and this facility to help many become authentic followers of Jesus. We are reminded today that we are all just one link in the chain, one plants and other waters, but you give the increase. We pledge ourselves today to do our part, to keep you at the center of all we do, and to never make it about anything but you. For all of this, we are reminded by your word that this building is not our church. We, your people, residing under your authority and power are the church. You will never live in temples made by human hands, but we are so grateful for a steady place where we can meet, worship, and learn, and love one another, and bring our friends to hear about your amazing kindness. We pledge to give all that we are to extend your kingdom throughout the world, and for your honor and your glory, use this facility for your kingdom and your honor and your glory. It is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that we pray and for all of this. Be glorified in this place and in our lives. Amen and amen. <laughs>